0: Takes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing up defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. Fifty-six seconds to play. Oh, by the way, it's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game seven is over. It's an instant classic. It's the TC Martin Show. A three for the game. Bang!
1: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C.
0: Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us for our number two. T.C. Martin with you. Don't forget, Vegas Golden Knights tonight with their closeout game. Game number five tonight, T-Mobile Arena, The Fortress. 7.30 is the face-off tonight. Looking forward to that. And... Keep your eyes peeled on some television tonight. The NBA playoffs continue. Got a whole bunch of game number twos tonight. Saw some pretty interesting action over the course of the weekend. We had four game ones on Saturday. Another four on Sunday. We dive into that this hour. Tim Bradley is going to join us too from ESPN. Of course, the Former five-time champion in multiple weight classes. Does a great job with ESPN as their boxing analyst. And he was here in Vegas over the weekend for Saturday night's fight between uh, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. And uh, Taylor defeating Ramirez in this fight. Uh, 114-112 on all three judges' scorecards. Taylor with two big knockdowns. That uh, was the deciding factor in this fight. So we'll get Tim Bradley's thoughts. He was picking Ramirez in this fight, Taylor knew that Bradley was picking Ramirez in the fight. I don't know if uh, Taylor was listening to Tim on the program last week, or it was just the fighter meetings, but, uh, Hey, he said Bradley's a little bit negative on me. So, uh, Josh Taylor remains undefeated now has four belts. And that was definitely a historic fight, historic night at the brand new Virgin hotel and casino, formerly the hard rock formerly, the joint now called the theater at the Virgin. So, We'll uh, revisit Saturday night's fight with Tim Bradley here at the bottom of the hour. But right now, the big seven footer joins us. A lot of fives. We got five time world champion. We got five time, you know, NBA champion. Big Bill Cartwright joins us. What's going on, my friend?
1: Hey, I'm just enjoying the day. Um, as you know, I am headed to Chicago this week. Uh, i got some business to do there, so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I think I'm going to get some golf balls while I'm there, so uh, it's going to be a great time.
0: Okay, so what, you okay. Do, what are you going to do here? Because our crew is, is just begging and requesting, you got to send some something from Froggies. Whether it's uh, some French onion soup, I, I don't know what what you so whatever you got over there. You, you got some frog legs. You're going to have to send it this way because you're going to be back for for quite some time, my friend. You you, you got to send some froggies over here. Look, I
1: I am uh, well. You've been to froggies for one thing, so you know we don't do that. <laughs> and if you guys, uh, uh, you guys do quite well eating there. You <laughs> should make a zillion pictures of uh, the restaurants there. And it, I got to admit, it, it does look very appetizing. But if you're curious, you, uh, uh, you're going to have to venture that way. I don't know what they are going to do. it. Maybe on a weekend or something, or a quick trip, in and out. But uh huh? Just, just don't
0: waste any time. Just get it done. Get it done. Yes, it's the Froggies. We've got to go to Froggies. It's uh, <laughs> just delicious. Whether it's the steaks, it's the French onion soup, it's the uh, the tortoise, the hare, the rabbit, it doesn't matter. It's Froggies. It's fantastic. Located outside of Chicago. I believe Highwood. Is that right? In Highwood? Highwood.
1: That's, that's correct. How do I know I that?
0: Yes, I've been to Froggies numerous times. I love Froggies. It's a destination. If you're going... To the city of broad shoulders, you must go to Froggy's. How's that commercial? You you just go ahead and record that. There it is. There's your commercial. Yeah, I'm done. It's done. It's really done. I would like some more comfortable seating, though, at Froggy's. I mean, you're you're sitting me for those those two those three hour dinners and in those like iron chairs there, you know. And especially for you, I mean, being seven foot, I mean, how how do you sit with those those long meals like that in those type of chairs? I mean, the obvious is fantastic, um, don't get me wrong, but come on, Bill. We need some some more comfortable
1: chairs. I'm, I'm always uh, curious about, um, because people are like, hey, look, you know, how do you do that being your size? And I'm like, look, I've always been this size. I'm comfortable. <laughs> it's not me that has the size problem, it's you. You people are too damn short. <laughs> so for me, I'm absolutely normal. For you people, uh, I don't know, genetics or whatever. Uh, that's that's your issue, but I'm I'm very comfortable in the chairs that I'm in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you just look severely uncomfortable, especially sitting in an arena chair. There, I mean that that really looks uncomfortable. And Froggy's nothing.
1: Hey, Come on, you got it. You got to do what you got to do. You know, one thing I do want to remind you about is that uh, you know, and we should clear this up. It's going to be a little painful for you, but why don't you talk a little bit about your Golden State Warriors? And I was trying to warn you that you were. Uh, so confident and you love Steph Curry so much that you're going to beat Memphis. And I was trying to explain to him that Memphis is really excited. They're a young team. They're a bunch of upstarts, and they're going to be really hard to beat. And there was a lot of doubt on your end. Uh, so I'm just curious, and just to get this over with for you, uh, what did you think about that game?
0: I thought it was devastation at its worst for me. I wanted to see Steph Curry uh, play on. I did. I thought they would win, and not only that, I thought that Utah would make it right for me, and they would take care of business over Memphis last night. They didn't do it either after they jumped out to an eleven-point lead. But we'll save that for a little later in the conversation. But yes, I I was shocked. I was surprised. The Warriors just had to win one of two games. They had the game against the Lakers. They folded down the stretch, and basically they pretty much folded the entire game in that home contest in San Francisco at the Chase Center against the Grizz. And for me, Bill, it, it was ridiculous. The first period turnovers and the, period, the, the turnovers throughout the whole game, when you have your two-star players, Steph Curry and Draymond Green, combine for 13 turnovers, you're not winning. And they almost had a shot there at the end. And actually, I was shocked how they came back to force overtime. I was shocked. And then even in overtime, they had the lead in the ball with like under a minute to go. I, I don't know how they blew that game. Oh, yeah, I do know how they blew that game. Because ill-advised shots, Wiggins taking an ill-advised shot. The only guy should be taking shots in the final minute is Steph Curry. That's it. But turnovers killed this team. And we've talked about this before. Even when they had their three championships, I always felt they were just too lackadaisical and careless with the basketball. We would see them fall behind early in games, and they'd always have to rally back from double digits. They did it. They did, that's what cost them. And they don't have the personnel, they don't have that type of depth to rally back. And that's what cost them.
1: Well, whether they. Have the depth or not? um, They they only played eight guys, so they didn't think to have the depth. So maybe that played a factor in playing the game, the overtime game. The guys got a long minutes, but uh, my point was is that that team had momentum going in and confidence going in, and when you have something. When you see something in front of you that you that you haven't had before, haven't had in a long time, like Memphis has, to be able to get into the playoffs, that's a lot to play for. So um I I just thought the game was gonna be really hard. They've got uh they've got really good young players, they they've got guys they can build on, so it's gonna be an interesting team. This other thing I wanna talk to you about is this what do you know about this overtime elite basketball league that they're supposed to be able to pay high school kids so they won't be able to, they won't have to really finish high school, they won't go to college, they'll get paid to play in this league uh, at least uh, six figures. So what do, you, what do you think about this league that's, that's, that's getting ready to start up? And, and Kevin Holley supposedly is going to be the coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, this is I mean, we're, we're we're talking about the G League here, the developmental league. It was the D League. Now it's the G League for, for the Gatorade League, I guess. That's why it went from D to G. And, you know, now you've got you know, the NBA has opened things up where they're saying, OK, you know, we're going to take these elite high school prospects and we are going to offer them contracts in, you know, in lieu of going to college. And, again, you're putting six-figure contracts in front of these 17-, 18-year-old kids, and, of course, they're going to say, wow, I'm going to take that. No, I'm not a big proponent of that. Again, you know me. You and I are kind of the same there. You know, we we all – we like the traditional factor here. I like the idea of college basketball. I like the idea of college basketball being the training ground and preparing you for your professional career. It's worked marvelously over decades upon decades and decades uh, very, very well uh, to to prep these guys for the NBA. And we're seeing, yeah, a lot more ragged basketball in the NBA, uh, I think because of you know the situation, the one and done. And now it's even going to get – I think worse for, from that aspect, but yeah, I mean, I guess you're either on the side of like, okay, everybody has a right to to earn money right away. You can't force a kid to go to college. I get that. I understand that, but uh, yeah, things have definitely changed here, and uh, now you're taking the elite prospects, and you're putting them basically on one team, and that becomes a team in this G League And they're trying to prep these guys for their professional careers. And uh, there's a kid from Vegas that just signed last week. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to. And he said, you know what? And they asked him, what was your reason why you chose to go this route? And he goes, well, because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to visit any colleges. So I didn't even really have a feel on which college I wanted to go to. So, you know, they are going to put the money in front of me. I want to be a pro. I'm in. He, so for him, he was saying it's kind of like perfect timing, and it really was a no-brainer for him because he didn't even get a chance really to, to talk to coaches and visit campuses. Uh, well, we, you know, for me, we, we know
1: what the standard is in basketball, but it doesn't meet the standard of, of a lot of other sports. It doesn't meet the baseball standard. Uh, you, you can play golf. Um, you, you can play tennis. So why why is basketball like the only sport I guess we're really really concerned about basketball that these these guys can't go from high school and play the professional? Why why is it like that? To where this standard is really it's it's higher.
0: You know I think it's history. I mean when you go back to the history, this is the way. You know once you've done something for so long. And it seemed to work and no one challenged the system. And sure, I know what you're gonna say that you, you had you know guys like you know, Daryl Dawkins and and other guys way back when who skipped college. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, then we, start, Barnett, yeah, then we go, got way back when. Well, well yeah, then well yeah, I am going Bryan. I'm going back. I'm going to Kobe. Okay, for well, I'm going way back. I'm going to Dawkins and and those guys, you know, going back to the 70s and then yeah, you go then to Garnett, then you go to LeBron James, yeah, Kobe Bryant, all of those guys did it. But again, there was a lot of resistance. And now, you know, Jermaine O'Neal, you know, he was part of that group too. Remember how many years Jermaine O'Neal sat at the end of the bench because you know, executives weren't really cool with that. We're going to draft them, but you're still going to have to pay your time. And I know with football. I know you're going to say that. Well, football doesn't do it because they got to build their bodies. That's the way it was for Kobe and Jermaine O'Neill and a lot of these guys. Kevin Garnett they were they were thin as sticks, as you know. You know, coming into it, and it took time. But nowadays, the way the workout re- uh, regime is, a lot of these high school players or first year college players, I mean, they are coming in. You know, built like. Uh, Like, you know, like rocks, you know, so it's different. I think, I think, you know, baseball is one of those sports where you have a amateur draft right out of high school and really the kids that go play college baseball, they're not your top tier. You know, pretty much they're your secondary tier because the top tier are signing and getting those bonuses, and they're going to the minor league clubs for maybe two or three seasons. Then they're in the bigs by the time they're 21 years old. So, you know, Bryce Harper is a great example who skipped it all pretty much. I mean, signed a contract when he was like 16 years old. Didn't even finish high school. So, I think baseball is a sport. There's history. They're they're used to that. The NBA, professional basketball, is used to that system. So when you start challenging it, then, okay, there's a problem. Then when somebody breaks the mold, now these guys are following in the footsteps of LeBron James. And I think he's the key because that's who they resonate with, these young kids and the Kevin Garnett's. And now the Lonzo Balls, the Mellow Balls, these type of guys. So we're going to see more and more because now it's acceptable. You go to those individual sports, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, that was their history, you know, the Tracy Austins, you know, in tennis and, you know, golf and that sort of thing. So I think for me, I think the answer to your question is it's the history and the NBA is bucking the history a little bit. I think so that's why people give it some negative feedback.
1: Well, I'm saying that. Why don't they have? Why that stigma attached? And do they have the right? Because basically, look, you graduate from high school, you're you're going to be 18 years old. Shouldn't you be able to do what you want to do? Why do Why do you have to go to college?
0: Co- why would they go to college?
1: Why 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 do you Why are you, like in the NBA? You've, you've got to be one year removed from high school. Right. So right. why why is that? Suppose suppose you're eighteen years old. Shouldn't you be able
0: to go? I think Did that's I what well, I think I think that's the direction they're trying to go. They're trying to go there. I but mean, again, like I said, it's it's the history and you have a lot of the powers, whether it's I think a lot of it it's owners. The owners are saying, you know, these kids for the majority of them, they're not ready. Their bodies aren't ready for it. But I think a a lot of guys are now succumbing to that and saying like for what I mentioned earlier that okay, these guys do have you know, uh, bigger bodies. They're they maybe more prepared now. You know, with all the per- personal strength and conditioning coaches that they have when they come into it. So I'm just thinking, yeah, it's getting there. But I think there's been the resistance for all those reasons I said early. So I mean, are they going to get to the? To the point right now where they continue to battle with with colleges and say, okay, you know, now it's just a a recruiting battle. We're going to recruit our guys to try to come to school here. And now the NBA is going to say, now we're recruiting our upper echelon guys to come to the NBA. I mean, that's what's happened here over the last few months. Right. So I think we're we're there for that right now. And I don't think there's going to be as much resistance from Adam Silver. Well, you know, uh, with colleges, you still probably have that resistance from the college coaches. But I think it's really loosening up. Where you're going, you're getting that now, right? Where hey, I'm in high school, forget college, I'm going pro, and there's no repercussions. So, to
1: me, look, if you're 18 years old, if you're 18 years old, I'm going to give you an example. If you're 18 years old, you you're an adult, right? Yeah. So you're an adult. You should be able to do what you what you want to do. So. You're telling me that I can't do what I want to do. I can't go into the league, but I can serve in the armed forces and go over and get killed. <laughs> but I can't go into the NBA. Is that, is that what we're seeing here? I'm just saying that somewhere along the line, that common sense has prevailed. Now, look, you want kids to be successful. You want them to to be prepared to move along the next step because that's a huge undertaking to, to join the NBA or any, or the G League or any league because it's so competitive. And we all know the average life for an NBA player, a guy that gets in the league, is less than three years. Mm-hmm. So, But you have the opportunity to say, hey, look, I'm 18. Uh, this is what I want to do. Uh, it's not up to you. Uh, I'm 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 gonna go out for the league. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't it be as simple as that?
0: It should be, but again, uh, you're you're the guy here that should should know that. I mean, this is your league, and again, you had to you know go to college, and I mean, did it ever occur to you? You know, in the mid-70s saying, hey, you know, no, I want to challenge this. I want to go straight to the NBA. You went through the system. I mean, that's the way the the system was in place. And those questions should be for the hierarchy of the NBA, right? Don't you think? I mean, they've got to answer those questions. Why have they – why has it taken this long for them to loosen it up? Why hasn't it been like this? Forever, and why did they go back and say, "Okay, you know, it's okay for for guys like Daryl Dawkins and other people," but but you know, now we we got to institute this one and done situation. Now it's okay for LeBron James, and they've waffled back and forth. I mean, you tell me, that's your league. Why, why has there been this waffling for decades? Well, I know that with players. Now look, it'd be, it's a big difference between,
1: for one thing, the salary structure and how things are lined up now, because if you're like, we talked about this, if you're any good at all, you, this is a two contract pick, And you can be really done when you're like 31 years old. So when I came out, you are, uh, you can be the first pick of the draft, and make a uh, hundred grand. So now you're coming out, you're, you're going to make 4 million bucks. So, and not only that, but you can get a five-year guarantee on that. Nobody's turning that down. So it it is a different beast now to where you come out, your first-round draft pick, you can make over a million bucks. That takes care of you. That takes care of your family. Basketball is a business now. It is a business. And that business, if you're doing it right, it can take care of the rest of your life. Most guys, and I would say probably everybody that I played with uh my age they're still working, so it's a different beast now to where to where guys are playing back then. you know you're going to do something else because you can't survive on what you're making now. Wow, this is a great time to be an athlete, the greatest time in the history of sports be an athlete, to be able to take care of yourself, to be able to make a lot of money and be able to take care of yourself, take care of your family and whoever else.
0: And and have the the freedom to choose, right? Which most of them haven't had that in the past. So that's it. Yes.
1: And And that's what we talk about all the time is that are there going to be dynasties anymore? I doubt it.
0: Right. I agree. Right. If you
1: have an opportunity to go to another team and make twice as much money and take care of yourself, take care of your family. Uh, it's it's going to be really, really hard. So, um, basketball has changed. Sports has changed. This is what it is. So, uh, and I'm just saying that it should change. It should always been that way. And then now, um, it, it's got to change with the times.
0: Big Bill Cartwright joins us, five-time NBA champ, talking a little NBA. All right, so when we look at the action over the weekend, the game number ones, we got some game number twos tonight. We had four on Saturday, four on Sunday. Uh, which, which one of these game ones really stood out for you?
1: Well, look, we know that if you're a road team coming in there, what are you looking to do? You're looking to win one game. So the, the Utah game obviously was, was really big. To be able to sneak in there and sneak out that victory, even though there was, uh, you know, Utah's not back, not at full strength. But that's huge to be able to get that win. And then now you have an opportunity to um, maybe win the next game. Um, I don't really like to get carried away. Because, look, the first game in the series is always the toughest. For whatever reason, you don't shoot well. You have a bad first quarter. There's foul trouble. Something funky is going to happen, and then in that second game, everything kind of dies down and teams play pretty normal. Mm-hmm. But uh, win on the road, uh, I, I think is is really important. Mm-hmm. So um, probably that 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 Memphis game was really uh, that that was a great win.
0: Yeah, and again, Donovan Mitchell not playing. I mean, Donovan Mitchell goes out there and warms up, thinks he's playing. And then the trainers, who actually have the last call, they go to the coach and said, nah, he's not ready to play. And he goes ballistic. The team had no idea up until less than an hour before the game that he wasn't going to play. We all thought Mitchell was going to play, and that was a huge blow for them last night, You know, losing the way they did uh, you know, to Memphis. And here's this guy saying, listen, I'm fit. I'm ready to go. And they're telling me I can't play. And we know Utah has had a history of this in the past of who had kind of been overprotective of their players. That, that cost them a game last night.
1: Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's new basketball. That's not Wolves. Reed dragging his leg out there. That's uh that's, that's, that's modern day trainers. That's modern day sports. Uh, I can pretty much promise you, um, uh, in the, uh, 80s and 90s. It wasn't, the trainer wasn't making any calls about when the players got going to play. And I was going to say, look, we're just going to strap it up. It's the playoffs. It's what I've been waiting for all year. Um, I'm playing.
0: So, Bill, let me ask you this. Uh, Lakers, Suns, Suns win the first game 99-90, the, the, the second seed. LeBron James, 18 points. Anthony Davis, 13. These guys, specifically Anthony Davis, getting a lot of flack uh, for this performance. Lakers only score 90. Uh, is it uh, time to panic? Is it just one game? What, what are your thoughts when you looked at this game? And again, you know the Lakers have struggled for a majority of the season, struggled against the Warriors in that play-in game, and they definitely did not look good in game one.
1: No, they, they they look terrible. And, you know, once again, you you got another young team, very excited. Um, they've held their team together. They've been healthy pretty much all year. And they, and they played great. So, uh, you just got to give it to them. And look, you know, the Lakers haven't played well. Uh, they haven't played together. Uh, so... We'll see you in the next game. But in like I said, in in these kind of series, um, you know, Phoenix is very excited. They won the first game and we'll see what happens in the second game. But if they lose the second game, man, Lakers lose the second game, I would say, yeah, starting to panic. But right now, now We'll see we'll see what they've got in game two and I suspect um they'll they'll play much, much better.
0: So which is that team out there that uh, people may be a little surprised to see maybe put a a nice little run together here? And, again, these playoffs are much different. These are not household names that are at the top. You know, Phoenix, Utah, you know, Brooklyn yeah, you obviously has their star power. So, yeah, no, it's 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 nice to see this balance. Which is the team or two that you think could really make a, a, a serious run in Again, the Knicks. Knicks in Atlanta. I mean, here are two teams that we're not used to seeing really in the postseason much at all. Yeah. What's what's going on there? And that's exactly what I was gonna say. What's what is going on in Atlanta?
1: If these guys, they they play great, I thought yesterday. And um should they beat the Knicks? Well, I don't know. They're uh, Um I don't think they're supposed to, but um, they, they played pretty good.
0: So, well, you got a guy like Trey uh, Young. I mean, you're you're going to be in games. I mean, Trey Young can can score. He can take over games, and this guy's gotten better and better every year. So, I think again, when you have that type of talent, yeah, he he can will you, you know, to games. I'm not saying Steph Curry isk, but there's a little bit of Steph Curry in him, no doubt. He can carry you. Well. well.
1: That's very kind of you to put that in there. That's like uh Jesus. <laughs> for oh, you. Oh please.
0: But, uh, <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing me. But, but my
1: thing is that look. They they've, they've got a good team. They have uh, played great. They're young, they're excitable. Um This should be—we should be talking about this because every other year we talk about it's the same two teams all the time, and we're sick of it. It's the same two teams all the time, and we're sick of it. You should be thrilled right now with what's going on and and the possibilities of somebody else, somebody like Atlanta um, making a deep run, somebody like Phoenix making a a deep run, Um, somebody like the Grizz. um, winning uh, and making a deep run. this this is great stuff here. So um I, I think we just watch it, embrace it, and just uh, just have a great time with it.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. All right, NBA playoffs, we have uh, game twos on tap tonight. And tomorrow as well, too. Look forward to this. But, yeah, definitely interesting. There's not that one dominant team where you can pencil in. You could probably make that argument about the Brooklyn Nets probably. Uh, But they started off really cold. But they they had a hot finish. Kevin Durant, 31 points. Kyrie Irving, 29. James Harden, 21. Uh, That trio went 0 for 11 from the three-point line in the first half. But then they got it together. So, uh, I think all of these series – you know, we're going to see distant series here. I mean, we're going to see six- and seven-game series because these matchups are pretty good. Milwaukee and Miami tonight. I mean, Milwaukee won that game in overtime, 109-107 with the Chris Middleton uh, game-winning jumper with five-tenths of a second left. Uh, you know, Miami is a team I think you've got to watch out for. So, no, I am excited about it. Again, I don't think there's anybody that you can just pencil through here. I think all these series are very, very intriguing in the first round.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of weird, like the um, um, Trailblazers and Nuggets series. I I kind of believe that uh, the Nuggets are a little stronger, but maybe the matchups are just bad. Uh, I'm not sure what to make out of that series. So uh, I think that's going to be interesting too. Uh, and the end, the Bucks. I mean, are they going to break through this year? What are they going to do? It's it's, uh, you know, you've got one of the best players of the league and uh, one of the best shooting teams of the league, and during the playoffs, they've they got a team. So there's just a lot of questions uh, to be answered.
0: Yeah, you know, with that Bucs-Miami uh, series, I think it's, it's – you know this very well. It's matchups, and Miami beat them last year in five games. They beat them four games to one, and to have them open up against the Bucks again, I mean, that's advantage Miami. Certain matchups do not do the Bucks any any good. It's like a disservice. Like, oh, we got Miami. Uh, Miami could upset them again. I think my, I think Milwaukee's good against other teams, but this particular matchup, I don't think it's good for the Bucks.
1: Well, you know, what I think is really interesting is that, you know, during the playoffs, you know, things slow down. So all those games we were complaining about during the year, their 120, 130, 140-point games, we're not going to see those. It's going to be yeah. grind-out basketball. Teams are going to have to earn baskets. Um, unfortunately, because of the mentality of the league, they, they still don't earn anything because they give up so many layups. It's a uh, crying shame, or they'd be playing in the uh, 80s. Uh-huh. But uh, I do think it's going to be a different kind of game, and that, that's why I think it's really difficult to play because teams have to grind these games out. So... Um, that's why it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, Damian Lillard, 34, 34 points in that Portland victory over Denver. 123-109, three-point barrage. They put up 40 shots, Bill. 43-pointers. 19 for 40, Portland was. Outscored them by 24 from beyond the arc. 43s. And we're going to see some, yeah. some teams with 45 and 53s. It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, but that but that happens every single year with Portland because they they shoot a lot of threes and when they're going they look great and when they're they don't they get their ass whipped. Yeah. So um, if those guys can uh, stay with it and they can uh, uh, keep keep making shots, they're they're fine. I don't think it's possible, but uh, uh, that's that's
0: on them. All right. All right, my man. We'll let you go. We appreciate the time as always. Uh, great stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your trip to Chicago. I know we'll talk to you several times while you're back there. Uh, food pictures. If you're not going to send us the actual food, uh, these guys need to see at least the French onion soup. So let's go. And you did right. send me right. some some pictures of the pork chops at Froggy's last week. That was good. The steak. We got that. You know, But I need to work with you on your photo skills. Your photo food skills yeah, need a lot yeah. of work. I mean, you're 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 like a you're like the tenth guy in the on the bench. You know, when it comes to that.
1: Well, and the reason is, is that I'm not like you. I don't photograph every meal I have. Yeah, you're no, not, I you're, need you're to not an all star like
0: me. Yeah, you're right. You're not a world champion. like are. Me. Yeah. You're the best I've ever seen. <laughs> on <It's> every meal. <laughs> and that's not true. I mean, I I eat out every night. Just about every night, and I've been thinking it's like, oh, uh, I'm not posting tonight because eh, I've, I posted this one before. I'm kind of a creature I have, but I got like a four or five restaurant rotation here, so yeah. So I'm I'm I've been kind of taking it easy, and people think, well, what what's you're not eating? No, just you know, I mean, but I just you know, I know you guys are tired of the same pictures, so there you go. I mean, you can only photograph you know uh, wagyu wagyu filet mignon so many times. Sorry, night, I didn't do it. Maybe I'll go back. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to photograph you something. It's really going to hurt you. Yeah. Photograph a piece of salmon or something uh, like that. Some there you go, there that, go. That will hurt
0: you. Okay. I saw. Uh, the guys uh, next to me Saturday night, they were eating Dover sole. So that was that was good. You know, it, it took about 10 minutes for them to slice it all up, though, the presentation. Then we got done with it. There's only like five ounces there. So I don't know what that's all about. But anyway. All right, brother. Be good, man. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy froggies. Enjoy, enjoy shytown town Take care. All right. Have you? Big Bill Cartwright, five-time NBA champ. Going back to Chicago, hang. Yeah, he goes back and forth all the time. Business ventures and everything there in his restaurant, Froggy's. Fantastic. We come back. Tim Bradley's going to join us. We'll talk about the fight from Saturday night here in Vegas.
2: Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. It was
0: superb action. Fought at a very high pace in Hotels, Las Vegas. Oh, and opening up this sixth round.
2: Nice catching shot. Uppercut right puts it down. What a shot. Josh Taylor. I don't think Ramirez fully over, uh, overcame that and recovered from it. And I think it showed in his performance, but he, he was gutty and, and he fought back and he battled back as best he could. And now, the undisputed junior, Welter.
0: He's on top of the world. That highlight package from our good friends over at ESPN on the broadcast Saturday night. Joe Tessitore, Andre Ward, and our guest, my man from Palm Springs, Tim Bradley. What's going What's on, up? brother? What's <laughs> up, baby? Were you not entertained, man? Uh, Saturday night was a great night for boxing, baby. Man, talk about entertained. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was great, man. It was great. And yeah. uh, is everything that you know lived up to and we've seen this before with top rank fights. You know, you, the hype is there, the delivery is there, the payoff is there. There's no question about it. And uh it was a very entertaining fight, uh, four belts in a historic night tim just like we talked about last week. But uh yeah, yeah Josh Taylor takes all four belts and I got to say he was very very impressive.
2: Yes, he was very impressive. But first of all, you know, I think I think everybody needs to understand something that you know, I'm not saying this because I work with Top Rank and, I, you know, they're my former promoters and things like that, mm-hmm. of that nature. But the thing is, is that in the last few years, I would say last three years, Top Rank has put on some of the best matches that we've seen in recent history. So you had the Loma, you had the Lopez, undisputed, yep. somewhat undisputed, I would say. Uh, you just had an undisputed here. Terrence Crawford, three years ago, was the undisputed at 140. And guess who put that on? Top Rank. So... You know, top rank is making sure to keep the sport alive and giving the fans what they want to see, the best fighting the best. I just have to say that real quick, get that out. Now let's talk about the fight, my man. Let's well, talk about the
0: fight. Well, I'm gonna echo that too, because again, I've been a top ranked guy for a long, long time as well. Go way back with Bob Aaron, Lee Samuels, all those guys, and in yeah. you know, get a staple point. I mean, you know, here in Las Vegas. And, you know, Bob has, has kept it going, promoter of the century, the best all time, and I know you will concur yeah. with that as well, too. And the thing about Bob, and you know, he's on the show all the time, and I say it to him all the time Bob is a guy We've seen other guys, Tim, you can attest to this, that have really not been willing to change over time, especially guys that are approaching, you know, 90 years old like Bob Arum. And he has yeah. found a way to continue to reinvent himself and his company and, and the in and, in and, and the fights that we get here. And that's why he is the best promoter of all time, because when other guys have either quit or start or just kept doing things the same, Bob has really evolutionized everything, and then you yeah, know, with the I deal, agree. you know, with te- with Top Rank and ESPN over the last few years, the ESPN Plus. I mean, you know, all that was Bob Arum, and his team. I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent.
2: And then let's not forget, through the pandemic, who started it all. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something about this company. Like this company, like a lot of people, they have, there's a lot of negative things that said about this company, but. When no one was moving, when no other boxing promoter or anybody was moving when the pandemic was happening, guess who stepped out in the forefront of it? It was Top Rank. Yep. Top Rank. You want to know why? Because they care about their fighters, man. They care about the company. We all got to eat somehow. They have to eat. The fighters have to eat. But mainly, honestly, it's just to put the fighters on so everybody can eat and feed their families, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about. And that should show everyone. That's what. The, that's where Top Rank's heart is at, man. They're about the sport of boxing and the fighters.
0: And as Bob sat here and told us many times during that time, he would say, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm not making money on this. Sure, they've got the ESPN nope. deal, but again, a promoter, as you know, and we all know, been around the sport, yep. you need those live gates. You need those live yep. gates and you can't put on a Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight if you don't have a live gate of 17 or 18,000 plus. You yep. can't pay Tim Bradley against Manny Pacquiao if you don't yep. have 14 or 15,000 plus that's the way it is because tim's not going to fight manny's not going to fight you know lomachenko could have said no but they said you know what i you know we'll take a little bit less but we've got the espn deal and that's what people don't realize and i'm like you man it just it it infuriates me when people use this term and we've heard it over and over and over boxing's dead and that's such garbage you know when people say that because you look at the fights you know, and, and if you're if you're saying boxing's dead, that means you're not paying attention. That means you're not watching. <laughs> and seriously, people going into this fight here, okay? We talked about last week, Taylor Ramirez for the yeah. even the casual boxing fan, they're gonna say, who are these guys? Okay, do some homework. Both undefeated, both have yeah. two belts each, both are 140 pounds, and Terence Crawford left 140. He's up to 147. But again, watch the fight. And then you'll see that boxing isn't dead. You'll be entertained and they were. So that's your infuriating part I think for me always having mm-hmm. to deal with with that type of of topic. Boxing has never been dead. No,
2: boxing has never been dead. It's actually the fifth most popular sport like uh you know in in the history is the fifth started sport I should say in the history of all sports. So boxing is never going to die, man. Um and I always tell people all the time I say Do you want to know something like LeBron James can be walking down the street and literally a street fight would happen, like, you know, maybe 20 yards away from where LeBron James is and you were standing. And guess what? LeBron James is going to become invisible, honestly, because you're going to be looking at a street fight because everybody (laughs) is attracted to fighting. I don't know why the sport, whether you think you're a boxer fan or not, when there's a fight that breaks out, either you're looking and you're trying to get out the way, but at a distance, you're still looking at that
0: fight. No question about it. Tim Bradley joins his five-time former champ in ESPN Boxing Analysis. He was on the call here at the Virgin Hotel and Casino in Vegas on Saturday night. Josh Taylor defeats Jose Ramirez. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Josh Taylor was actually listening to the show when you were on last week. But he says, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, or or the fighter meetings. I know it's a fighter meetings, but he says, yeah, Bradley's a little bit negative on me. He's not picking me to win. He's a little bit negative. I'm going like, come on, man, man up a little bit. You know, just shut up and get in the ring. But you know what? He did. Uh, I thought Ramirez would win. I think you picked Ramirez to win. We talked about it last week. But, you know, we'll give Taylor credit because he was impressive, but I'm not going to – you know, short-changed either, Ramirez fought his heart out on Saturday night. Yes, he did. He fought his
2: heart out. Um, he has nothing to be ashamed of, honestly. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've been reading, uh, you know, people talking about the referee, Kenny Bayless, and how he's involvement and how. No. how don't don't how, talk how, about they they my man was,
0: Kenny B. No one should yeah, man, be talking about him. Listen to it. me, Come man. On. He's the best. I'm
2: here, to tell you, I'm here to tell you guys that, you know, this is a 19-year vet, okay, mm-hmm. Before y'all say anything bad about Kenny Bailish, 19-year vet, yes, he's 71 years old. 80, what, 813 bouts he's refereed. He's been a pro referee since 1992, okay? No one's perfect at the end of the day, all right? I watched the fight about three times already, and I'm trying to see what everybody's looking at. And and there's to a point, I agree with some things, the knockdowns. I mean, it was light years before... (laughs) Taylor was able to get back into that action when he had knocked him down the first, first time, uh, he came up the little corner, neutral corner a little bit. And then jade turned, I mean, excuse me. It was, uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny Bayless turned around, looked at him, then looked at Ramirez and turned around and pushed him back and then grabbed his gloves again. And I was just like, my gosh, this is taking forever. Like, dude, this is a 20 count. This isn't a 10 count. So then you have that on two occasions. So then, you know, When the second knockdown happened, a lot of people was having a problem with the fact that Bayless put his hand on Ramirez, and I believe he said break. And when he put his hand on him and then he bagged off, Ramirez got a little bit relaxed. Protect yourself at all times, people, and he got hit with that uppercut. He got framed with an uppercut by Taylor, which is fair game. At the end of the day, protect yourself at all times. You had 20 seconds to recover, but he's knocked down. And, you know, if you have a problem with the way he handled that situation, listen, he gave you time. He let you, allowed you to come back and have a fight. You shouldn't be mad about what happened during that course of that fight, man. You can't blame it on the ref. The reason what happened happened. You got caught with a pool counter. You rebanded your jab. You fell down. You got up. You had enough time to get prepared, and you got back into the fight in the back end. And, you know, it's all fair game, you know. I don't think Bayless did the best job he can do, but I can tell you this. He's not the one to blame for this at all. So if anybody's trying to blame him for the result, for what happened, you can forget about it at all. That's not flying with me. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com.
0: There it is, Kenny B, my guy. And like, (laughs) how about that timing? Look at that timing, man. Anyway, but as Kenny and I will say this in Kenny's defense, I didn't see that being a problem, as he said numerous times. His and you know this, Tim. What is his main job? To protect the fighters at all time, and that's all he was doing there because he did not want to stop it prematurely, and he wanted to make sure that Ramirez came forward touching the gloves, and yeah. good for Kenny. If that takes an extra four or five seconds, I, I did not want that fight to, to end. No one wanted that yeah. fight to end. And if this guy, yeah. if he's giving him the opportunity to clear some cobwebs out for an extra four or five seconds, come on, man, that's ridiculous. Everyone's saying that, that's ignorance. Well, there, there's a lot of people saying that.
2: And, you know, I think there's no harm done. Right. I think that, you know, sometimes in sports, just put it this way, in a lot of sports you see, if a, if a ref makes a bad call on anything, he typically makes it up on another ridiculous call right. for the other side. And so if you had a problem with him actually touching the glove, sometimes refs will come over and they'll say, break or uh, fight out or and they'll grab your glove if you're holding and they'll actually knock your glove down and, and you know, and, and put it out of position. It's up to you to protect yourself at all times. Don't get relaxed. Never get relaxed on the break because that can happen. What happened, you guys, with that uppercut? <laughs> he got too relaxed, he got too comfortable, he was allowing the referee to step and intervene, and he shouldn't have never done that. And if he, that knockdown, if that knockdown didn't happen, the second knockdown, the fight would have been a draw. Right. It would have been a draw. We'd be running it back, you know, in maybe the next four months or so. Right. So, um but it was a great it was a great entertaining fight for the fans, man. It was a great entertaining fight to call uh no one should be upset with the decision. I thought they got the right guy, uh, Josh Taylor. Even though Ramirez, I picked Ramirez to win. You know, there's no bias in my blood, man. When yep. it comes to these fights, these fights, man, I don't care whether I win or lose. It doesn't matter. I still got my job here at ESPN. <laughs> it doesn't matter, my dude.
0: <laughs> you got it, my man. There is Tim Bradley. All right, Tim, real quick, uh, let's talk. Uh, Tyson Fury was in the building Saturday night. It yeah. uh, looks like it's signed, sealed, deliver. It's it's him and Deontay Wilder again. Do we really want to see them fight for a third time or is it going to be more of what we saw in the last fight Tim? You know, that's a good that's a
2: really good question and the answer I have for you is is that of course it's going to be different. Um when when things happen in your life uh when in your career, you go back to the drawing board. And as we can see that that Wilder has changed his entire team, got a new trainer. Uh, I don't know if you've been seeing the training videos. He's he's moving his head, he's moving his feet, picking up his feet, using his jab, throwing, you know, crispy punches uh, or crisp punches now. Um, You know, he's working on his techniques and his mechanics to try to better his fundamentals inside the ring, which is great. It's fantastic because he definitely needs them, you know. But what's going to have to change in this fight is is going to be his mentality. If he's going to go into the mentality with a mentality that, hey, I'm going to shout out Box Tyson Fury. You can forget about that. He's not going to outbox Tyson Fury. No one's going to outbox Tyson Fury in the heavyweight division. I'm sorry. You know, he needs to go in there with a chip on his shoulder, and he needs to attack Tyson Fury if he's going to change anything. You know, he got to make sure that Tyson Fury understands that he's not afraid of him. You know, that that knock down or that knockout loss that he suffered when he threw the towel, that was just a fluke. Something wasn't right with me that night, but I'm going to show you the real Deontay Wilder, if he comes in with that type of mentality and that attitude, the fight is definitely going to be different. There's no doubt because anytime time that right hand leaves that man, it has the ability to knock down a wall, even Tyson Fury. So, yes, he has a chance, people. He does have a chance. There's a puncher's chance to beat Tyson Fury. It all depends on his mindset and how he approaches this fight.
0: All right, we're going to get it here in a couple months. Uh, again, brought to you by Top Rank. Looking forward to that. And boxing back in Vegas. you got to love it, Tim. Fight after fight. We're back, baby. We're back. Yeah, we're back. And, you know, the best part
2: about it is we got the fans in the, in the, in yes. the arena. That's yep. the best part about it. Yep. it you know, there's no fight without the fans. And, and we did our best during the pandemic to, you know, try to <laughs> imitate boxing fans with, you know, these uh, the sound and, and different things like that. But there's nothing like having the energy inside the crowd to, to boost the fighter while he's fighting and, uh, you know, to entertain and help entertain the fans at home that's watching on television. So boxing is definitely back. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to get the heavy, the, the, the undisputed heavyweight championship fight. That should come maybe later this year. Right. Both guys got to take care of business. I believe Joshua has to fight Usyk. And then, um, and I think that's a tough task. And of course, Fury has to get past Deontay Wilder. And once that's all said and done, whoever wins, hopefully we can get our undisputed heavyweight champion of the world.
0: There you go, my man. Okay, great job, great call on Saturday night, as usual, brother. Appreciate you, appreciate you man. Much love, and uh, we're going to get you back on real soon because we got to talk Pacquiao and Spence. That got announced too, so I'm going to have you back on. I'm going to have you back on, you know, next week, and we'll talk about that. How's that? Sounds good. Take care. I appreciate bro. y'all, man. All love. You got it, bro. Appreciate you. All right, all right. Tim Bradley, there he is, the champ, the former champ. And uh, does a great job with ESPN as their boxing analyst. I want to thank Tim for joining us today. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. Appreciate him. And don't forget, the Golden Knights. Going to close it out tonight. Looking forward to being there tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow is a terrible Tuesday. Probably a terrible Tuesday for the Minnesota Wild. Golden Knights. Taking them on tonight at 7.30. miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com.